Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us... We owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Appreciate your time, of course, as we have just two more programs remaining of original programming as the American Veteran Show wraps up on Sunday, October 29th. This past week has been hell. message that I bring to Israel is this. You may be strong enough on your own to defend yourself, but as long as America exists, you will never ever have to. We will always be there by your side. To any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. Don't. We will have coverage and coming up later this segment, a replay of our visit on Friday with our military analyst, Mike Lyons. Couldn't do this program without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law. Thank you, sir, for nearly seven years of support making this program possible. Fighting on behalf of veterans every single day, BosonLaw.com, B-O-E-S-E-N, Law, BosonLaw.com, or 303 999 9999. Mr. Secretary, your visit is another tangible example of America's unequivocal support for Israel. Hamas has shown itself to be an enemy of civilization. What has happened this past week across the globe? Pro Hamas supporters, well, it's been literally globally. From Spain to Yemen. to Jordan. And of course, here in the United States. We got messages throughout the morning that Hamas was in the kibbutz, 
that there was gunfire and that they were in their homes, that they had overturned everything in their house and that they were afraid for their lives. Her family kidnapped. When the rest of the family came out of the bomb shelters after Hamas had burned and murdered half of the kibbutz, they understood that these five members were not there. The Pentagon and the administration will use whatever available resources it has under law now, but until the House organizes itself, it is not a co-legislative partner in providing future needs for the United States to assist Israel. That is a huge concern here in America. As you know, the worst massacre of Jews since World War II, and even for Veteran grizzled, not only literally veterans like former and retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, now a spokesman for the Biden administration, even reporters. But this John Kirby choked up at the news of beheaded infants. I, uh, <clears throat> I, it, I'm sorry. It's it's very excuse me, very difficult. <laughs> Israel has the right to defend itself and its people. Full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. It started with this massacre of women, children, elderly people, entire families. As you note, they took hostages, dozens of hostages, women, children, again, elderly people in wheelchairs, sick people uh, into Gaza. And they're attacking our civilians with indiscriminate rocket fire directed to all of our cities. And fighting that is a real challenge. You know, Hamas, while they come and kill our kids, they put their kids in front of their military operations in Gaza. They use homes, they use hospitals, mosques, all to shield their operations. And these are challenging circumstances for us to fight in. But that's our highest priority at the moment, to stop those attacks on Israel and on Israel's civilian population. You heard from... Retired Rear Admiral John Kirby just a couple of seconds ago, and he's been there, done that. He's in the military. What about on the ground reporting? This reporter, it's been viewed millions of times, a reporter in Israel for I-24. The Israeli military says they still don't have a clear number, but I'm talking to some of the soldiers, and they say what they've witnessed as they've been walking through these different houses, these different communities, uh, babies, their heads cut off. That's what they said gunned down families completely gunned down in their beds you can see some of these soldiers right now comforting each other many of them reserves uh, who jumped into action leaving their own families behind as well not knowing the sheer horror that they were about to come to they say they've never experienced anything like this this is nothing that anyone could have even imagined when you're walking through here of course the death toll into the thousands Just this past Friday, we had a chance to talk with our military analyst on the regular program, retired U.S. Army Major Mike Lyons. Hey, Stephen, thanks uh, for having me. It's so great to be part of your team. Focusing first on the battle itself, what Israel's trying to do, and and the operative words that Bibi Netanyahu said, and and that is Israel is at war. They haven't declared war since 1973, and they're going to lay a siege on Gaza, and that has very specific meanings to a military person. So, um, and the, the pressure is already on them to to back down. You could just see it coming uh, already. Uh, they had this is their no question their 9/11 equivalent, and um, I just think they're running out of patience. They're just they've had enough. They've had enough of this lather, rinse, repeat of. 
Hamas makes this attack and and Israel, they're going to win. They're going to they're going to absolutely lay siege to that place and they're going to destroy it. And there's going to be a lot of collateral damage, perhaps more collateral damage than we've ever seen since the Second World War, likely most in the century. But uh, they're not going to stop this time. And I, I'm afraid it's going to open up a wider front to the north. And, and who knows, it might even open up something with Iran. I mean, they're just tired of it and they're just not going to play. Mike, is Iran backing this? Is this a kind of, you know, puppetry for for Iran? You know, uh, you're talking to a lot of different people about this, and it doesn't pass the red face test that their fingerprints are not on this. You know, you saw something came out. I was actually in the in uh, news studio, and the report came that the U.S. government says, oh, no, the, Iran was not involved. I mean, this administration is trying so hard not to have Iran involved, because if they know Iran's involved, then we're going to have to do something. Right. And they don't want to do anything. They want to just – everything is right in the middleism of – doing nothing. It's, it's just amazing. And, and you know, the Israeli chief of staff made a very interesting comment. There's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And as, a, as a, you know, someone has done this before, I've always said, you know, war is a failure of deterrence. And, but, in, but if you're going to go, you make sure that you go and you're going to go and win. That, that's really what's happened here. We have no deterrence against Iran. We have no deterrence against these nation states that exist without real countries and, and citizens and geography behind them. And, um, and if we don't do something to to contain and, and, and deter the Iranians, and they think that we're going to do something, it's just going to continue to happen. And they're about they're about to try to wipe Israel off the earth. And uh, we have to sit, you know Israel needs allies. Let's find out to see who's going to be on their side or not. Our thanks, as always, to our military analysts throughout at least the past several years here on the American Veteran Show. Thank you to. Of course, Major Mike Lyons, who has a son in the United States Navy. And we would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that happy 248th birthday, United States Navy, just this past Friday. We will, of course, uh, coming up on our regular program uh, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 Mountain Time, have the latest on the war in Israel. As we take a break, I want to tell you, stick around. An amazing Vietnam veteran. He was born in 1933. His father served in World War II, went to the University of Wyoming in Laramie, met his wife. She goes to CU Boulder. They travel the world, and he would also, after Korea, he missed Korea because of his age, but... In 1955, he found himself in Germany at the early stages of the Cold War. Do not miss our new friend of the program, Don Cluxton, Colonel Don Cluxton, United States Army. We're just getting started. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. We continue this week's edition of the American Veteran Show with a very special guest. And one of the things that I've loved to do as we wrap up almost seven full seasons of the American Veteran Show, I think you know what by now is having our veterans in studio. It's great when y'all have been joining me on the phone, but there's nothing like saying thank you in person. Please welcome to the program. He says I can call him Don. He says Donald is fine, but I'm going to call him Colonel. But Donald Cluxton Jr. joins us, and thank you so much for joining us here. How long were you in? I was in for 22 years. And you went all over, didn't you? Yes, I got a lot done in those 22 years. Uh, But soon later... Uh, infantry, company commander, battalion commander, brigade commander, 
two tours in Vietnam, three years teaching at West Point. It was a full 20, 22 years. <laughs> yes, sir. And you did a lot more. You're 90 years old? I am. Well, I appreciate you as a, a resident of Evergreen joining us here on the American Veteran Show. We have uh, plenty of time, so don't feel like you have to be rushed. Mm-hmm. But I want to know, kind of right now, how are you watching the current developments in the Middle East, sir? Well, I'm watching it. Of course, that's the sort of thing I did for all those years. And uh, so I'm intensely interested in it. Of course, you get thorough coverage uh, in uh, TV. It's about all they're talking about at the moment. You know, when you, when you look and see the atrocities, are you, are you like so many people? I mean, some of the things and the horrific stories we're seeing, clearly we haven't seen since World War II. Well, that's true. It's absolutely appalling. Uh, it's heartbreaking, to be sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> those targeting people, as the terrorists do, should not be done ever. Uh, if you're going to put... Uh, organized armies against each other all right go ahead and do that but if you're targeted civilians that's really we should we should better beyond that and mm-hmm. we should be better than that we should as a as a civilization as humans uh, let me ask you you're uh, born in tempe arizona in yes. the in in the uh, mid what nineteen thirty three your birthday happy birthday coming up uh, January nineteenth nineteen thirty three and then you lived in the Southwest for a while as a little boy talk about that well yes uh, <clears throat> I, as you say I was born in Tempe my father was uh, teaching political science at the uh, local university there but then the state of Bro- of Arizona went broke. And <laughs> he was being paid in vouchers that would be uh, good someday. Wow. On the other hand, he was a uh, reserve army officer out of uh, Stanford, ROTC. So he was accepted into uh, the, uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps as an officer and ultimately as a camp commander. And that result... Revolt- <clears throat> resulted in uh, my moving around quite a bit because mm-hmm. my mother was determined to get as close to him sure. as uh, she could because he couldn't leave the camps. <laughs> right. You know, I, I find that you and uh, we're, we're going to get into those years in Vietnam coming up a bit later, but I find in talking with somebody uh, such as yourself that was born into this world and too young to have served in World War II, but old enough perhaps to remember World War II. Do you remember, so you were born in, again, uh, uh, 1933. Do you remember hearing about Pearl Harbor? Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about those memories. Uh, my father was, by that time, had been called to active duty in uh, Franklin Roosevelt's run up to World War II, we could see it coming, and he called people like my father into active service. So he, he was at Lowry Field, and we were uh, his boss, uh, the colonel he worked for, had invited all of us to go to uh, to lunch at the Cherry Creek uh, Country Club. Uh, he was a member. Mm-hmm. 
we were all sitting talking in uh, his house there, the colonel's house, and the woman next door, who was the wife of a fighter pilot and known to be excitable, <laughs> came over and she said, uh, my God, they're bombing Pearl Harbor. And my father and his boss said, no, no, you, you got it wrong. It can't be Pearl, maybe Dutch Harbor. She said, turn on the radio. Wow. And there it was. Unbelievable. Our guest is Colonel Cluxton, Colonel Don Cluxton. And I want to ask him, we've got a couple more segments with you. Uh, after Pearl Harbor, you know, obviously you're only getting older, so you're getting into your teenage years uh, at least close to them, right? And then the war ends. But what do you remember from post Pearl Harbor to the end of World War II in 1945? Well, you might remember the regular things. Uh, Radio reports. Yes, but what I mean is uh, rationing was in. You got little uh, red plastic uh, coins mm. uh, that allows you to meet to uh, buy as much as a certain amount of meat. And uh, the uh, most of the men who were qualified were gone. Right. Uh, you remember Victory Gardens, those types of things? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Victory Gardens and... Uh, rationing. Rationing. Scrap dry devices were big. And everybody was recovering. Uh, <clears throat> encouraged to uh, buy war bonds and war stamps to uh, go on to uh, <clears throat> for what what was going on at the time. Mm. I, I want to read, and your daughter Diane is here, and I owe her the greatest thanks because she's introduced me to you, sir. Uh, Diane wrote to me earlier this year about you, and I, we both want to embarrass you. <laughs> that, that's actually not true. It won't be the first time. <laughs> I'm sure. As I, and I quote, I think of him as the soldier scholar because he did lots of both during his 22-year Army career. Is that true? Is that pretty accurate? I think that's pretty close. Yeah. I want to bring in <laughs> Diane before we take our first break. First, thank you, friend. How sweet of you to reach out and to have your dad here. Thank you. Well, thank you, Stephen. I share your love of veterans and obviously my dad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just think he has a really interesting story to tell as as. They all do, really. Yeah. What what prompted you to – I'm not saying you put your dad on display, but we are all the beneficiaries of that. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people his generation, they don't want to talk about it. It's like, you know what, that's, that's yesterday. How come do you think him? Well, all through my life, he's told stories, different stories. Uh, sometimes you hear the same one a few times. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We all, we're all guilty of that, sir. But that's okay. No, yeah. they just they get better and better. But um, and recently, I've been hearing some that I hadn't heard before, so that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and and I just you know I felt a connection with you from listening to you on the radio, and then when you uh, announced that uh, you were going to be retiring from radio soon, I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten that, that done yet. That is smart because I, I'm the beneficiary again. Mm-hmm. Diane will stick here with us. We're going to wrap up um, this second segment of the American Veteran Show this weekend. And I have a feeling, Colonel, if I ask you this, and I ask all the time as we wrap up this first segment with you, would you do it all again? Yes, yes, I would. So no doubt. There's no hesitation there. No, not really. Uh, at the time, 
it was obvious that we needed a strong military force. Well, it's probably always, always yep. obvious. But uh, my father was, as noted, a military officer. That influenced me. There was ROTC in high school and college. I went through both. And then it just seemed a uh, an automatic step to accept the regular commission in the Army that I was offered. We'll, we'll wrap up this first segment with Army Colonel Don Cluxton, and he has, he's been there and done that, friends, and in our next segment, we're going to start in Germany, and then it, back to the Rocky Mountain West and, and uh, Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, and then there's Georgia and Colorado, Georgia again, and then you travel all around in, in, the, in the latter years. We'll be back with the Colonel coming up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stefan Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show once again. I don't say this to, to make you sad, but this show after today only has two brand new episodes to go. The show will wrap up. We put a lid on it October 29th, and we continue our conversation with United States Army Colonel Donald Cluxton, Jr., he born in 1933. So here's, again, if you weren't with us in our last segment, He's old enough to remember Pearl Harbor, as he talked about. He's old enough to remember going through 1945 as a young boy. And he was too young, obviously, to serve in World War II. However, he serves this country a 22-year Army career. And we'll get to as much of it as we can. First, I want to thank Diane, your daughter, Colonel. Are you glad that she kind of dragged you into this mess? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'm sure she would as well. Um, so in the your dad is in World War II, and then World War II does come to an end, and you end up, you're going overseas. Talk about going to Germany. Yes, my father was right after the war, was sent over as uh, a member of the Occupation Army. He went over uh, probably early 46, and then dependents were encouraged to, to accompany their, their primary sure. officer to Germany. So my mother and I traveled over there uh, by train to New York City from Denver, uh, then by Liberty ship uh, across the waters. Yeah. And, and you were a, what? You were like right around 13 Around 13, yeah. yes. And uh, it takes 10 days to go across uh, the Atlantic in a Liberty ship. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that, that, that voyage? Oh, quite well. Yeah, yes. yeah. Did, did you have comfortable accommodations? The same bunks that uh, the sailors and soldiers had. That, had. that, that to that, me, quite, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to me, at 13, sounds like quite an adventure. Oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no about it. Yeah. No, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And then, so you, how long were you in Germany then, and, and your father over there as part of the now the peacekeeping and the post-World War II? Yeah, we were there about two years. <clears throat> you sprechen Sie Deutsch? Uh, I can get along. I, I, yeah, not I'm me. not flowing. <laughs> you can tell me anything, and I go, oh, okay. Uh Beer? Uh, we continue. Uh, wonderful to have 90-year-old Colonel Don Cluxton here. You come back, and then, you know, at at the point of you being around 
what you you were pretty young when you got married, right? You come back to the states, or at least when you meet your future wife. Oh yeah, well we met in high school. Yeah, seniors in high school. She sat in front of me in uh, English class, as I recall. Spilled her beads all over the floor one day, and, <laughs> and that was was it. Love at first sight. <laughs> well, me. We were down there trying to find all the beads, uh-huh. uh, and then I asked her out, and it moved on from there. You you must have been successful in hunting for the beads. Yeah, <laughs> I think you found most of them. Yeah, I know you have both, and and for Diane, memories of 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 your mom Ruth, and and for you, your your longtime wife Ruth. How long were you married? Uh, Sixty two years. Wow! Congratulations. I should have. I should have found you earlier in my life and found the key to success because <laughs> I've failed. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's just so awesome to hear this. So then y- you come back to Colorado uh, or this region. Then you go to – tell me about college. You went to the University of Wyoming? I, I did, yes. Uh, my father was stationed at Warren Air Base, so I went to Cheyenne High School. And it seemed obvious to just go over the hill to the University of Wyoming. Yeah, that did. Which not, I did. <laughs> yeah, not too not too far away. And then uh, talk about college and how you uh, – were you athletic? Did you make a lot of friends? You you helped with the beads, so you got a gal? Yeah, I, I did. I joined a fraternity, and so you have quite a bit of social life. Uh, she went to the University of Colorado in Boulder because that's where her parents went, and they wanted her there. Uh huh. So we once I so this was a little long distance commuting between yeah, exactly, Laramie yes. and Boulder. <laughs> I had a 1941 Cadillac, which I bought in 1953. Uh huh. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't quite a classic. Yet, but still, how cool, a 1941. Um, Let me ask you, at some point, again, I find it, I I know I've said this now three times, but I find it fascinating your age and when you were born, because you you also missed Korea. I barely missed it, yes. You Uh, did barely miss it. However, what was coming ahead would be Vietnam, and I promise we're going to get to that. But when do you decide to do the military? Well... Uh, I decided uh, basically in my senior year of college, and they said you can, uh, you know, with your record here in the university, uh, you can either opt for a regular army commission, which puts you on the same footing as the West Point grads, or you can go as a reserve officer, which means we call you when we need you. Yeah. So I thought I'd try the uh, regular Army for a while. That was a three-year commitment at the time. Three-year commitment turned into 22. Oh, right. Yeah. And and we got married. Uh, I went to Fort Benning for uh, basic officer officer training, and we got married uh, while I was uh, at home in Cheyenne uh, over Christmas. Our anniversary was Christmas Eve. Oh, (laughs) Army Colonel Don Cluxton joins us, and uh, we'll have one more segment with him. So you just you, you grow up in in the World War II era here stateside. Your father is serving. You are in this age group where you just missed uh, Korea, and then I want to kind of fast forward from you know you're really in the early stages of the Cold War. That's oh, when you much, yes. your, your your infancy in the army is the infancy of what we know as the Cold War today. Talk about what that was like. 
Well, uh, once we got to Germany, I was a rifle platoon leader, and then I was a weapons platoon leader. A platoon is about 44 soldiers. And uh, the 8th Infantry Division was close enough to the uh, border with East Germany, so we would have been in action right away had the uh, Russians and East Germans come across. We had a plan to uh, move forward quickly, and then another plan to move all the dependents of the families back, mm-hmm. called the NEO, uh, Non-Combatant Evacuation Order. Mm. And that was planned, and the whole thing was practiced once a month, unannounced. Yeah, was there, was there, I'm just trying to, through your wonderful descriptions, I'm wondering, was there always this just constant tension? Well, you're kind of used to it. Yeah. It's not up here. Look, I'm just up. a Joe civilian, so that's why I'm, 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 you know, amazed by it in that you've just come out of, of World War II in Korea, and now you've got East and West Germany, and you're there. You would be the first to answer the bell. Yes. Well, yeah. We had, uh, as I say, it was practiced once a month unannounced, usually around 3 in the morning, and you had to have everything gone from the barracks and in your initial assembly area within two hours. Uh, if you didn't make that, then they're going to release you and, and see if the next guy could do it. Mm. But as a platoon leader, it was easy. Uh, <laughs> I could do it in 30 minutes. You also, you know, you get uh, into what around, um, thanks to Diane's outline of, you know, your your timeline, you know, from, what, 1960? You're in Japan. For You know, you go from Germany and now you're in Japan and through the notes here, it sounds like you had a few jumps out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> I did. Uh, Diane uh, says 35 jumps. Uh, 57. 57, 35. <laughs> <laughs> she shortchanged her dad. <laughs> 57 jumps. Right. You remember that first one? Oh, yes. Uh, I bet <laughs> I you. I sure do. Yeah. You hoping uh, uh, parachute works? Well, I was hoping, hoping my knees would work and, and when they said stand up in the aircraft. <laughs> I was afraid I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. But of course Not- I did I was up immediately and out the door. Well we're gonna we're gonna take our next pause here and then uh, from Japan it's Vietnam. We have a wonderful rest of the program with Colonel Don Cluxton, United States Army, ninety years young. He joins us here on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to The American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We wrap up this week's edition of The American Veteran Show with our wonderful in-studio guest, Army Colonel Don Cluxton, Jr. He was uh, born in 1933. He's visiting with us at 90 years young. I definitely want to say thank you to his daughter, Diane, for getting in touch with us, and it's been a, a wonderful visit so far. And then there's Vietnam, right, sir? Right, yes. Talk about that. Uh, well, yeah, I was stationed on uh, actually Okinawa, Japan. Now, uh, in an airborne uh, outfit, we jumped around uh, the uh, periphery of the 
Asia there, uh, Korea, not combat jumps, uh, just training mm-hmm. jumps. Mm-hmm. But then you begin to hearing stories of guys who had just come back from, from Vietnam. They would go to, from special forces, uh, they were there to Vietnam and come back. And you thought, boy, I got to get something that's... Uh, Bad stories, uh, you know, right? Well, yeah, Horrible. So uh, I next went to uh, Fort Benning again uh, for what they call the Officer Advanced Corps. It's, it's about nine, of course, nine months. And uh, I was determined to get into this thing because I'm a professional officer. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, so I had a bit of trouble uh, arranging. They wanted to keep me at Benning as, an, as a, an instructor, and that's a good assignment. But I went up to the Pentagon and talked to a few people here and there and got it changed to uh, Vietnam. I mean, and, a lot of people would not have done that. I hope you know that uh, <laughs> then and now. So uh, well, let me ask you this, sir. Did you, in, you know, in those years of, say, 62, 63, 64, was, was Vietnam in your vocabulary? Not originally, no. Right. You had to go to a map and say, where is this place? Right. <laughs> and I think for so many of, of the soldiers, I mean, that's – they would tell you that today, maybe just a slightly bit younger than you. They would have said, we'd never heard of it. We were, you know, in World War II, as you know, we've talked with many World War II veterans on the program. It was always destination unknown. But then there's Vietnam in the 60s. So you, what did you do, actually, when you first arrived in Vietnam, in country? Well, again, uh, they had me slotted for a, a, an administrative position in Saigon, and I didn't want that. So I found that my high school ROTC captain, uh, Colonel Nemethy, Colonel now uh, Colonel Nemethy, was a division uh, advisor. So I called him on the screwy landlines that they have there, <laughs> and I said I'd like to come down there and work for you as a battalion advisor. And he said, "You're sure you want to do this?" And I said, "I'm sure." So he got it changed, and I had a team of four people, myself, a lieutenant, and two sergeants, and we worked with a Vietnamese battalion, which is between six and 700 soldiers, in the Mekong Delta. Mm. We never came back because there didn't any place to go back to. They just moved from one area to another, usually trying to be in, in a small... Uh, Town and they're yeah. really, really small. Sure, sure. <laughs> Overnight, and then you, occasionally you would engage the enemy force. Sometimes uh, big time, and sometimes small time. Mm-hmm. The fire was exchanged. While you were in Vietnam, the woman, your daughter, seated to your right, is born. How did you find out about her birth? Well. Uh, I had a pretty good idea about when it was supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you knew you knew about that. But then, was there a telegram? There was. And I went up to I had to, I went up to Saigon. You can hop on a plane and go wherever you want. There's always room. Uh, and went to the Red Cross office, and when I got there, they said we don't have anything for you. And I said, well, I'll be back. <laughs> 
And I was back there later in the evening, and there it was. There's a pretty big announcement. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Army Colonel Don Cluxton joins us. He's a resident of Evergreen now and kind enough to join us here on the American Veterans Show for just a few more minutes. You know, I'm never going to be able to do justice to your life. You do realize that in, in the three segments that we've had with you. But I'm just I'm so, you know, in your debt for taking time and, and for Diane, you know, introducing me to you. Have you been back to the Vietnam Memorial Wall ever? No, I haven't. Ever any desire? Not really. Yeah. That's just a monument that doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I I realize it's important for many people, and I'm glad it is, but for me it isn't. Is it because of what it represents of more than 58,000 Americans who were killed? A lot of my friends' names are on that wall because the entire time— I was in the Army doing something else elsewhere from Vietnam, like teaching at West Point. Yep. I always knew half a dozen to a dozen guys who were there. They still with you today? Do you remember? You remember those losses, I'm sure. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss that over, you know, because... But for the grace of God, I mean, anybody could... I mean, we could be hit by a car later tonight, right? But in, in the theater of war, you lost folks that you knew. Oh, yes, I certainly did. Yeah. And two of the uh, fellows that I regarded as best friends, both of them went down. Uh, may we never forget. And that's been said a lot this week, hasn't it, with Israel. But I, I want to say to you, and even though you you may think it's corny, I want to welcome you home because you were there. So well, I thank you and welcome home. Well, thank you. Now, in the moments we have left, good Lord, man, you, you've given me too much. <laughs> Uh, let's just see. Uh, you attended the Naval War College. Uh, you had attended University of Wyoming. Then you attended Duke. You get your master's in history. Then, oh, you know, just a little side trip to being a professor of military history at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Right. That was a great assignment. That was, was that kind of a quote-unquote desk job that you actually didn't, like, travel down to the Pentagon and say, yeah, I don't want to do this? You nope. liked that. <laughs> I got word in Vietnam that uh, I was being considered, and uh, they said, you're <laughs> in this, I happened to be rooming with a major who was a graduate, mm-hmm. and he said, don't hesitate, grab it. <laughs> Do it now, yeah. And then you attended the National War College. I mean, you, d- you have done just so much in your life, right. not just the 22 years in the military, and I don't want to, to pretend that your other life experiences haven't been amazing, but can you believe you're 90? Not really. <laughs> I didn't expect to, to make it this far. No? <laughs> did you ever think you were, were there at times, did you think you were going to make it out of Vietnam? Yeah, I always thought, you know. I mean, I'm, I know you can't really dwell on, oh my God, yeah. I think today's my last day, but the reason I ask is it may sound stupid on the surface, but I've had so many people tell me unsolicited, yeah, I didn't think I was going to get out. So you did, and then you flourished. In the moments we have left, I want to bring Diane back on, and oh, I just can't thank you enough. I mean, I, this is why we do this program. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. What do you think when you're sitting here? And I know most of the stories you've probably heard before, but I mean, for for somebody like me, a first time listener and and our folks listening at home or wherever they are, I mean, that's a hell of a life. Well, that's what I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever thought of writing anything down? Have you kept a memoir? 
No, I've thought about it, but I haven't really gotten to it yet. Sir, would you would you be interested in starting your own podcast? I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what you need to tell me how much uh, he means to you. Oh my gosh, he's my hero. He's always been my hero. Um, I have two older brothers, and you know, and my mom also. You know, did she? We talk a lot about. I mean, she passed in 2018, but we talk a lot, Dad and I, about how. Uh, she grew up in Cheyenne her entire life and then went off to CU. And then, uh, you know, starting when they got married in 1955, it was, you know, it was Germany, um, she deserves Okinawa. Her, yeah, she deserves, yeah. Ruth deserves her own bronze star. Yeah. Uh, she, she deserves everything she could get. Yeah. Uh, she was a wonderful woman, and she was with me every step of the way except when I was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And May she rest in peace. Go ahead. Well, both my brothers were born in Okinawa, and I think that that's kind of amazing. Just, yeah. you know, that's what a place to be able to say you were born, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And to look at, at Dad and say, thanks, Dad, for bringing us into the world, and thank you, Dad, for what you've done. What a pleasure, sir. I am in your debt forever, including your daughter, but it's such a pleasure to meet you, and I, I'm so glad we could, quote-unquote, to quote Diane, squeeze you in before the program ends. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Army Colonel Don Cluxton, Jr., thank you to Diane, his daughter, as well. What a wonderful two human beings, and, and what a wonderful United States veteran. We'll be back next week with another brand new edition of the program. For producer Michael Arpaio, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a great week ahead and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.